Hello, good morning. It's great to be able to share with you from God's Word again today. Last week, Tim started our series off on waiting and the fact that God is there with us in our waiting, even when it feels like he's silent. But it does beg a question, doesn't it? What do we do whilst we are waiting? In fact, why do we have to wait? Well, we're going to look at that a little bit today and we're going to jump straight into God's word and look at 1 Samuel chapter 16. Some of you will be familiar with this story, but this is a story about God raising up Israel's greatest king. We know that Samuel, the great prophet, the one who would speak into the life of Israel, had anointed Saul to be king. And Saul started off well, but in the end he turned away from God. And so the Bible says that God rejected him as king. And so Samuel is given the task to go and anoint the new king. And he goes to Jesse. He goes to Jesse's house and he sees seven sons, seven sons that look like they'd be the perfect fit for the king. But they are not the chosen one for God. And so we pick up the story in 1 Samuel 16 and from verse 10. This is what it says. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendant said to him, see, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the liar. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine looking man and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them with his son David to Saul. You see, David was anointed king, but he had to wait. In fact, it's, nearly, it's between 15 and 20 years later that David actually is publicly anointed king and made king of Judah and then eventually of Israel as well. So what do we do in the waiting? I don't know what it's like for you when you wait. Probably the greatest time of waiting for me was in waiting to get married. It, this year, Helen and I celebrate our 10th wedding anniversary. And 10 years ago, it felt like we'd been waiting forever to get married. You see, we started going out when we were 14. And within a couple of weeks of starting our, our relationship together, I knew Helen was the one. I knew that I wanted to get married to her. But of course, I had to wait. I mean, I had to wait for the legal age, to reach the legal age for a start. I had to wait for the right time. Actually, probably most importantly, <laughs> I had to wait for Helen to agree that it was the right thing too. But together in those seven years, we spent time talking together, getting to know each other, becoming great friends, laughing together, crying together. 
preparing for our wedding together, getting to know each other's families, all these kind of things, so that when the day finally came and we did finally get married, we were prepared as best we can for married life. <laughs> of course, that's been adapted since, and maybe what we knew then um, we, wasn't right. But actually, we were able to be part of a process, preparing for married life together, giving us the best chance. But it felt like agony. It felt like, oh, why can't we get married tomorrow? This would be so much better, so much easier for us. But, of course, we had to wait. And in that time, there was a time of preparation. And now, 10 years down the line, I look back and think, those seven years went by like a flash. But at the time, it felt agony. But I can see now what God was doing in preparing our hearts to be married. And it's the same for David. David was anointed king but he had to wait. And in that time, he was preparing himself to be the best king he could be. And you see, in this process, there were four things, I think, that we can see from this passage that kind of characterised his waiting, that characterised how to wait. And the first thing we see is that he worshipped, that he was a worshipper. Now we see here that Samuel anoints David to be king. Now, the anointing of God is like consecrating, is setting apart someone or something for special favour and special responsibility. Consecrating means giving your life over to this purpose, that you are no longer your own, but you are owned by God, consecrating yourself before God. It's the same thing that we see in Exodus chapter 13, where God says to the Israelites as they exit Egypt, he says to them, consecrate to me your firstborn child. In other words, the very thing that is most precious to you, your firstborn child, your heir, consecrate to me, they are no longer yours, they are mine. They are the living sacrifice. They are to be given over to God's service. This is what true worship is, that we give what is most precious to us, our lives, our very lives itself, over to the Lord. This is what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 12 when he says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. David knew what it meant to worship. He had been anointed, set apart, his life had been given over to God. And he knew what it meant to worship. It says in 1 Samuel 13 that he would be a man after God's own heart. And that's what we see in the Psalms, isn't it? We see in Psalm 27 that he says, one thing I seek, this I do go for, is kind of, this is what I'm trying to do, to dwell in the house of the Lord, to dwell in his presence and to gaze on his beauty. And this is seen throughout the Psalms that David longs to be in God's presence. Of course, worship is much more than just the singing, although that's part of it. And David was great with the music, as we see in this passage. But worship was his whole life, that he longed to be in God's presence, that he would not move away from where God was and continue to pursue him and chase after him with everything he had. He wanted to worship. And he gave his life over to being God's own child. Now, of course, we see that he is anointed with oil. 
And of course, this is a symbol of what the Holy Spirit has done in Christ and then in us. The oil was poured over on David. And when it, that happened, when he was anointed, when he set himself apart for the Lord's service, that's when the Holy Spirit came on him. We see this in the life of Jesus, don't we? At his baptism, when he comes out of the water and he's praying and he's giving his life again in service to the Lord, the Holy Spirit descends on him. And from heaven, God cries out, this is my son whom I love. In him, I am well pleased. And from that moment on, it says the same thing, that the Spirit came powerfully on Jesus. And as the Spirit came powerfully on him, it anointed him for his ministry and gave him the ability to do all that he was able to do. It was the same for David. And it's also the same for us. The term Christ, Jesus Christ, is not just a kind of surname for Jesus, it actually means anointed one. So when we say that we are Christians, when we say that we are in Christ, and that is the message throughout the New Testament, when we say we are in Christ, that means that we carry his anointing to do the work that he has asked us to do. In Ephesians 2, Paul says this in verse 10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus, created in Christ, created in his anointing to do good works, which God's prepared for us in advance to do. That's the same for us individually. That means that when we are in Christ, we carry his anointing to do his work. And it's the same for us as a church, because Paul is writing to the Ephesian church here, not just to an individual. And he is saying that we carry his anointing to do his work on the earth. That is true worship. That is giving ourselves over to him, giving everything we have to be able to carry out his work, his plans, his purposes on the earth. So whilst we wait, the Lord asks us to worship. He asks us to consecrate ourselves and to give everything over to him. So I ask us this morning, Whilst we wait, will we consecrate everything? In fact, is there anything that we haven't fully given over to Jesus today? Will we worship by giving it to him and enabling him to do with it what he wants? So we worship. The second thing that we see from David here is his attitude. David was obedient. He was obedient to the Lord in his plan and in his timing. He didn't just say, well, I'm king now. Can you imagine this? Saul sends for David and says, come and play for me. And David said, well, why should I? I why, why should I do that? Why should I go now? I'm king. Lord, make me king now. But no, he submits to the Lord's plan and to his timing and says, OK, Lord, I know you're going to make me king. I know that I am king from now, but I'm waiting for this to be made public, to be made, be made a reality. Will you wait like David did in his attitude, in being obedient to him? He was obedient to the Lord, but he was also obedient to Saul. When Saul calls him, he goes. And this is the interesting thing, isn't it? Because David knew he had a royal assignment. He was given this job to be king. And yet the very next thing that we see of David is that he is with the sheep. We see that in verse 19. David is with the sheep and yet he's king. 
And what the Lord says to us in this is we may be given a royal assignment. In fact, that royal assignment may be coming, the purpose for which we were made, as it is with David here, that he's made to be king. But in the meantime, will we take care of the sheep? Are we prepared to lay down our dreams, even the God-given dreams, to be king so that we can still do the job that God has for us now? We might be given a greater assignment, but the anointing is still the same. And you see, when we are anointed, when we worship God and set apart ourselves for him, the only way we can follow that up is by being obedient. Worship is obedience. David had an attitude of obedience to the Lord and also obedience to Saul. We've said that he came and played the music for him, but then later on that we see in 1 Samuel 24 and 26, on two separate occasions, David has the opportunity to kill Saul. He has the opportunity to take the throne by force, if you like. But David had learned what it meant to be obedient to the Lord and to his timing. And so he let Saul stay as he was and waited for the Lord to do his work and to make him king. But David was also humble. He lay himself down in, servant, in service to the king. He would play the music for him. But he was also someone who was in a position where he would look after the sheep. So the shepherd, the lowest of the low, even though he was king. And of course, this is just a, a shadow of who Jesus was, who said that he was the servant king. He was the one who came to serve and not to be served and gave his life as a ransom for many. That's what David was doing here. He was laying down his life, not for salvation for all, but so that he could be what God wanted him to be in humility. He would be the lowest of the low before he could be the king, in fact, the greatest king of all Israel. And let's just contrast this with Saul. Saul was disobedient. And we see that in 1 Samuel 15, in the chapter just before, that Samuel says to him this, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. Saul thought that to sacrifice was enough, that actually God would accept that. But Samuel says here, no, obedience is more important because obedience is more, is, is worship. Obedience is what the Lord wants for us. So as we worship, we must obey because obedience is exactly what worship is. So in our waiting, will we have the attitude that David had? Will we be obedient? Will we be humble before the Lord? Will we be humble before the leaders that are placed in authority over us? Maybe that's government. Maybe that's local leadership. Maybe that's church leadership. Will we submit ourselves in humility before him. And here's the thing, because David was a worshipper, because he was obedient, because the Holy Spirit came powerfully on him, even when he played music, he was able to drive out the evil spirit. Isn't that interesting? Of course, there's nothing in the music itself, although music is powerful, but actually it's because David's heart was submitted to the Lord. And because his heart was submitted to the Lord in obedience, he was able to drive out the spirit and have power over the enemy. That's what it means 
to be set apart, to be consecrated, and then to be obedient. And then, of course, we see that David was an intercessor, that he, was, uh, he interceded on Saul's behalf. The music he was playing was praying before the Lord to be able to drive out this spirit, to be able to do um, on the earth, on, in that situation with Saul, to drive out that spirit. David was an intercessor. And of course, this represents all prayer. We see that David was a prayer throughout the Psalms. And the remarkable thing is that David came up with all these uh, Psalms of praise, Psalms of prayer. And the reason he could praise was because he had seen so many answers to prayer. And of course, the praise led to the prayer. The praise led to intercession and the intercession led to praise. Think about it. He would praise and because he praised God, revealing to him all that God had done. He then knew that as he prayed for situations, actually they would come true. Think about this in Psalm 18. David says this, I love you, Lord, my strength. Here's the praise. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord and who is worthy of praise and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. David was remembering a time when he was against his enemies and he was in a bad place. And what did he do in those moments? Well, we see from the rest of the Psalms, he called out to the Lord. And David is remembering here, as he did so, the Lord heard him. So praise led to intercession. And then the intercession led to praise because he saw the answers of the Lord. I don't really need to say an awful lot more. We've, we've talked a lot in recent weeks about prayer. But as we wait, will we pray? Will we come before the Lord? Will we pause before him and rejoice and ask him and yield our lives to him? Like David had done as he consecrated himself before the Lord. Will we yield before him and say, Lord, have your way? And as we pray, that leads here to the prophetic. That leads here to the Lord speaking. There is no coincidence that many of the prophetic psalms, many of the psalms that talk about Jesus come from David because he was after God's own heart. He praised him. He praised the Lord. He then prayed and interceded before the Lord. And as he did so, he learned the Lord's heart and spoke out in prophecy. So as we come before the Lord in praise, in prayer, that enables us to be able to see things as the Lord sees them. So as we wait, as we prepare ourselves for the future, as we prepare ourselves for the Lord's assignment that might be coming, will we pray and learn the Lord's heart? And finally, that we see here, teaching. David was prepared to be taught. He was prepared to learn. In the hiding place, when nobody knew who he was, he was in the field, he was tending the sheep, he was looking after the sheep. And what happens? He learns more about the Lord. He is taught how to shepherd. And that became something with which he was able to use as he became king. But think about this. Many of you will know the story of David and Goliath, that David, this, this boy, was able to kill the giant Goliath. 
but it started before that, when he was tending the sheep, that the lion would come after the sheep. And does it make sense that he would go after the lion who was going after one sheep? No, but he learned to trust God so much that he had the power to overcome the lion and the bear. And that meant that when he faced the giant Goliath, he, did, he didn't have any fear. And he came before Goliath and said, you may have spears, you may have swords, but it is not this that wins the battle. It is the Lord that wins the battle. David had learned that in the field. He had learned that tending the sheep. And so when he slung that stone and it hit Goliath, he overcame the enemy because he'd already learnt. He had already been taught that it was the Lord who wins the battle. And then we see that he goes on to be a general in the army and, he, and he's able to lead the army with great wisdom, with great understanding. And he learns on the job under Saul how to lead the army. And that meant that when he became king, he was able to expand Israel's borders, that he was able to grow the territory of Israel, to make Israel a great nation, the great nation that God always intended it for, for it to be. And so Solomon, his son, when he became king, he lived in the riches of what David had achieved because David had learned what it meant to be king. So in the waiting, will we be taught by the Lord? Will we be taught to be all that he wants us to be? Will we keep our hearts soft? Let's, let's keep this in context of where Saul was. Let's contrast this to Saul. Saul in 1 Samuel 15, 20 says, but I did obey the Lord. When Samuel was correcting him for the disobedience before the Lord, Saul was not willing to be taught. His heart had, his heart had hardened and because his heart had hardened, he couldn't be taught and he remained unrepentant. Compare this to David. When he was caught in sin with Bathsheba, when he was caught in a place where he'd committed adultery and then he murdered the husband of Bathsheba. Nathan the prophet comes to David and he corrects him. And David submits himself before the Lord and repents. And we read about that in Psalm 51, where he says, create in me a pure heart. David remained teachable, even as he went to become king and to the end of his life. In the waiting, he learned what it meant to be taught. You see, we see these four things of David. We see worship. We see his attitude. We see his intercession. We see that he was taught. W-A-I-T. Wait. We wait for the promises of the Lord to be fulfilled. And if we do so in this way, we can make the most of this waiting season. But also, it means that we will be prepared for when that time comes and his promises are fulfilled. Will we be a people who wait like this?